Hey, welcome back to the Roots and Branches podcast here at New Life Evangelical Free Church in Hastings, Minnesota. Good to be with you again. We got a bonus episode today talking about our transformational outcome of moving from lonely to belonging. So let's tune in. Hey, we're here with a guest today. Mark Ravel is joining us, and we've been talking about our transformational outcome of moving from lonely to belonging. And so I thought it would be great because, Mark, um, we'd love to learn a little bit more about you and about the ministry role that you have um, and also just things that you're passionate in studying because I know that you're in a Ph.D. program. So hi, Mark. Hey, Brent. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for, for having being, me. Yeah, of course. Um, so uh, Mark, uh, Mark's wife, Jody is our kids director, so you probably know Jody, some of you listening. Uh, but Mark and Jody have been uh, here at our church for going on a couple of years, yep, I think. Yeah, just about. Yeah. So Mark, tell us what you do um, with Reach Global, our mission agency, and then you know some of the things that you're studying. Yeah, thanks. Well, my role with Reach Global is director of training. And uh, that means that I'm responsible for providing the opportunity for new missionaries to get their their initial set of skills yeah. in ministry. A lot of people join Reach Global from all different kinds of vocational backgrounds, which is a beautiful, important thing that's really significant, I think, in terms of mission that you can find nurses and advertising executives yeah. and carpenters in Reach Global. But that also means that there's an opportunity for people to get the skills they need to go be witness, bear witness to the gospel in places all around the world. Yeah. So I, that's one of the things that I do. It takes up most of my time. Yeah, that's fantastic. I know uh, for missionaries to be trained well, it's it's for impact for the gospel. It's also for longevity for them yeah. and their health of themselves and spiritual health, but their health of their families. There's so many layers that go into that. It's really true. There, There's research that indicates that there's no greater factor that contributes to missionaries leaving the field than lack of thorough training and ongoing growth. And yeah. so I'm really committed to that and want to see a greater, I think, commitment to mm. learning and growth take root across our organization, that we become more reflective practitioners. So yeah. not just busy about doing stuff, but yep. at the same time thinking about what we're doing, both theologically, biblically, culturally, anthropologically, all of those things. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, so you're also doing a PhD program at the moment. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I'm a student. I'm a research scholar at the Oxford Center for Mission Studies in yep. Oxford in the United Kingdom. And this is a program that had interested me for quite a while. Uh, there's an English guy named uh, David who I did a master's degree with in Scotland. And he said to me when I finished, hey, you should consider continuing on in your academic work. And here's a school where I could be your advisor and we could continue to work together. Great. And so God brought about that opportunity. It's a part-time thing that I do alongside my other work. So I spend about 12 to 15 hours a week on my study. Yeah. And then I'm supposed to be in Oxford about six weeks a year in residence. Yeah, cool. So um, in that program, what is your topic of study like, and, and why? My <laughs> interest for years has been, I'll use kind of the 50 cent word for it, is a missional ecclesiology. Mm. And basically I'll unpack that and say ecclesiology, meaning just the church, yep. and mission, meaning the sentness of the church. And yeah. so what are the functions that God has entrusted to communities of his believers in his work in the world? And how mm. is that unfolded in the context of a community of believers? So mm. I've been thinking about that in a variety of contexts for many years. And so my PhD research topic really is uh, is an extension of things I've been thinking about for a while, and I'm really looking into how does God work through a community of believers yeah. in the process of drawing new people, unbelievers, to himself. Yeah. Obviously, that's something that God does. There's there's an aspect of that, that that there's no human involvement at all. God is the one who's drawing people to himself, but yet yeah. my belief is that he uses 
his children in that work. And so how can we discover how God is doing that? Mm -hmm. And I think once we learn more about that, it will help us in our work that we do in Reach Global of establishing communities of believers will help us give yeah. shape to the, the kind of churches that we're interested in establishing. Yeah, that's fantastic. So important. And I love your just your terminology there, and it's helpful in shaping our understanding of what the church is. I mean, missional ecclesiology is really describing a biblical view of how God has designed the church yes. because we are sent, and that's what it means to... Um, to be his people, his kingdom people. It's, right. it's got this ambassadorial element to that too, but it's like that's what he did with the disciples first, and then he sends his church into the world to be his representatives and to spread the gospel. So I love that. Okay, tell me about maybe some of the research you're doing already, and what are you finding? Yeah, well, this is fun because here's the intersection with uh, the the idea that brings us together, and that about belonging. Yeah, yeah. And so one of the sort of important philosophical bits that's a part of my study is that there's one way of understanding what God does when he uh, when, when someone begins to become a follower of Jesus yep. that's it can be seen as a shift in belief and belonging and behavior okay three things are happening and 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 we can understand all of those things I think we've experienced them to varying degrees that that our change of belief we have a yep. change of belief we once believed these things and now we believe different things. Yep. And and there's, let's skip to behavior. There's a change of behavior. We once did certain things and yep. now we do different things. Yep. And Paul talks about that, for instance, in you know, Colossians taking off and putting on that, yeah. that sort of thing. And then there's also a change of belonging. So I used to belong to this mm. group of people. And now I belong to this group of people, this local church, the, the capital C church, the universal church, the people of, of God. Yeah. So those three things are happening. And I'm particularly curious to know in, in my in my study, my interviews with people, in their process of coming to believe that this church is yeah. their place of belonging, yep. how have the behaviors of other people who are already a part of that church mm. contributed to their sense of belonging? Interesting. And so I'm studying that in Hungary, yeah. across a variety of types of evangelical churches, and um, doing it through interviewing people about the experience, the actually the phenomenon of their change of belonging. I once belonged somewhere else, and now I belong here. And as I do that, I'm listening in particular to hear what are they saying about the the behaviors of people who are already in that church okay. that God has used in that shift of belonging. Yeah, that's fascinating. And what strikes me about it is the communal dimension of that, that there's a sense of in the community of faith or in a in the household of God, there's a, there's a number of different metaphors, of course, in Scripture, but the sense of belonging comes from the web of relationships within which you're being joining and being enmeshed mm-hmm. to as part mm-hmm. of God's family. And so there's something about that that, of course, is face-to-face and is embodied and is part of the reality of being a part of the fabric of relationships within a, yeah. a, a, a specific location. Right? And there's such an important relationship between uh, embodiment, yeah. the, our behaviors and and belonging. Mm. But I think we live in a in a time in an age in which we've turned up the volume on a couple of other aspects of what it means to follow Jesus, that then kind of diminish the mm. significance of a couple of the others. So, like for instance, we we really think I think largely of our faith in individual terms. There's something uh, that that's about me and my relationship with God, and yeah. something that happens kind of privately within my heart. Mm. And there's another dimension I think we've really turned the volume up, which is that it's a future dimension. 
So, so the individual division is di- dimension is I was once a sinner, and now through the gospel, I've I've been I've been saved. My sins have been forgiven, and I become a yeah. child of God. Yeah, and that's happening between me and God. Yeah, and that one day I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus. Yep. So there's an individual dimension, and there's yeah. a future dimension. Yeah. And both are true. And they're absolutely essential. <laughs> yes, of course. Right? And yeah. so we don't want to say anything to, yeah. to turn down the volume of those, but we want to say that as we've uh-huh. turned the volume up on those, yeah. we've we've heard a little bit less, as you were saying, the kind of the corporate communal dimension yeah. of what it means to be uh, adopted into the family of God, yeah. and then also the now dimension. Mm. And I think both of those dimensions are there as well. And so this business of embodiment and belonging is really related to those two dimensions, which we don't hear as loudly in our part of the world and yeah. in our uh, era in which we live. True. And on you know previously in the episodes here we've talked about the nature of how lonely people are in our culture, but also the individualistic nature of mm-hmm. that just makes that worse. I mean it, it, mm-hmm. it creates a context within which as you say we've turned the volume up on that individualism so much specifically expressive individualism, Mm -hmm. which is um, me disconnected from sources of authority or or me being a part of the fabric of something. Instead, it's me expressing or performing to the world and then needing to be recognized by that. But it actually creates disconnection between people. So tell me a little bit about what you're learning, because we could go down that. Sure. I can talk more detail about it, but I'd love to hear some of the stuff that you're observing. I I just started my interviewing Mm -hmm. um, in research that's called data collection. I just started the data collection in April. And I did uh, a set of interviews at at the church, a church that I know really well, the church that Jody and I were involved in planting. And I spoke with people, all of whom are new. That's important. You're new to this community. Yeah. And and so it's a it's a very um, free and unstructured kind of interview where I just have a few questions, but I want people just to talk about how how do you do you feel that you belong here among these people, and and how has that happened. And so I've just finished uh, analyzing one interview. That's as okay. far as I've gotten. So okay. I'm really just early <laughs> on. But yeah. actually, that's become a case study, and I'm going to present this case study in Oxford in in July. Yeah. And so in speaking with this woman, I in my uh, research, I call her Sarah. We are not using her name. She's from Iran. Mm. She she uh, came from Tehran to Budapest uh, because she switched from uh, being from a Muslim background to becoming a Christian, and wow. for a variety of reasons, she needed to leave um, Iran, wow. and then yeah. she found a way to become a graduate student in Budapest and establish her life there. Okay. And so as I talk with her about, Sarah, you know, how, how have you begun to experience that you belong among these people? There were four themes that rose to the surface that were just crystal clear in the way that she described things. Mm. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll share all four of them in, in order, and then I'll tell you a little bit more about them. The four were were the following. First of all, that that the the church community became a place for her to experience healing, mm. and and there was a great need for her to experience healing. Yep. Secondly, she was able to express in in a, a whole multitude of ways the way in which this church community was like family for her, and that came out in the even the terms that she would use for herself and others, like sister, mother, big sister, little sister, and so on. Okay. And then thirdly. There was a degree that was really important to her, again, an embodied thing, where the church uh, welcomed her into a kind of um, a, a setting in which there was mutuality. So she was really upfront about the fact that she was a new believer yep. and that she had her, her faith had really kind of grown sort of in private in, in her context in Tehran. And the Spirit, Holy Spirit had been moving in her, and she was deeply mature, but it hadn't happened through interaction with people necessarily. And 
she would have expected that at this church, people would look to her to say, well, you don't really know much, so let me just tell you a bunch of things. Yeah. And she discovered something very different, that people were saying, well, how do you see this passage of Scripture, Sarah? And, and you know, what has God shown you through this? And, and she felt as if her background and her story did give her the chance to have a unique perspective that could be beneficial to people, and they welcomed that. So huh. there was mutuality. Huh. And what uh, something that strikes me about those things you're observing is how deeply relational they are. Mm-hmm. And we keep using this term embodiment. Like there's something about being together. Yeah. And the the kind of connection that happens when you're physically in the same space, mm-hmm. but you're also welcomed into the tangible expression of a community. Yes. Not necessarily something you know, maybe a virtual or um, merely about concepts, but it's like actually you're 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 joining into the uh, the 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 tangible uh, expression of people together. Right, right, and that that togetherness then provides a context in which those things that you know, those things you have learned, those things that represent your change of belief, can then here's our word become embodied, and they can show up in in terms of the behaviors, mm. the characteristic behaviors that are mm. true of a community of people united under the lordship of Jesus Christ, they act towards one another yeah. in a unique way. And that being yeah. together is is really essential. That's so great. Then the fourth, yep. real quick, the fourth thing that really was important to her, in fact, she talked about this more than anything else, is that the the leaders of that church, the, the, the four guys who together share in the eldership of this small little church, demonstrate a, a servant, mm. uh, a servant humility. Yeah. And so she had come from a background uh, particularly in the uh, in her Islamic background in um, in the Middle East, in which there was a, a great degree of of power distance and separation between sure. the leader of the mosque and, and other people, and and uh, she experienced something very very different as she looked in on the the people who were shepherding this community. And in fact, she she said, "I don't even know how many times in one hour." Um, <laughs> Tony is the name I'm using for the guy who was the leader, that he was out during a church retreat. He was in the kitchen washing the dishes while everyone else was playing games. Uh And that meant so much to her that leadership was demonstrated through servanthood. And of course, that's, you know, that's following Jesus' example. Of course. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's maybe an equivalent of washing feet, right? That's Jesus in John 13. Right. It's a servant leadership and being willing to, to, to lead through that humble Mm -hmm. service. Mm -hmm. It's revolutionary. It's changing changing her perspective on what leadership is and but it's like Jesus and it's directly connected to her sense of belonging yeah you know to be to be under the shepherding care of someone who was huh. was serving her and was you know taking care to wash the dishes and giving her a chance to play a game that really contributed to her sense of I belong among these people that's so great i love that and i think the you know the the observation from some of the things you're describing um, when we talk about the transformational outcome of, of the fact that here at New Life, we desire people to move from lonely to belonging, is that the expression of us as the body of Christ, the church, the body with its many members, with all these different roles to play, but we've all, um, we're a, the household of God. These, mm-hmm. langu- these, these metaphors that we see in scripture, they really help us to understand how important um, the gathered community is. Mm-hmm. And how wonderful it is to have multiple generations within our church who've got different kinds of experiences and have stories to tell about God's faithfulness in their lives. Right. We get to serve one another mm-hmm. and help each other through difficulties and through joys. And the sense of belonging 
is not about, as maybe the world would say, finding the thing that you can do in your self-expression or something that kind of scratches the itch of some kind of uh, desire or some kind of entertainment or like mm-hmm. whatever other things would be more superficial. There's something so rich and deep about Christian community that can't be substituted for anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, 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 that movement from loneliness to belonging is formed, uh, in, I think in, this would be my view in, in many, uh, ways outside of what happens in our nine o'clock to 10, 15 gathering sure. on Sunday mornings. Yeah. There isn't as much time for people to experience those embodied behaviors yeah. as you know, we're, we're together in one big room for an hour and a half. And so it really highlights the need for being together in other contexts and yes. at other times so that those behaviors can really take root and that they can contribute to this sense of belonging. Love it. Love it. Totally agree. And that, so maybe that's the challenge here for you listeners. If you are feeling this sense of a desire to be, to, to, to know that belonging in the family of God, you know, as we've talked about, it really starts with your relationship with the Lord and your connection to him, but also then therefore through Christ to Christ's body, the church, that there are so many different ways to be connected. It's one of our, it's one of our core values of, of our disciple making pathway to get connected <laughs> And follow Jesus with us together as a community. And so get involved in a Bible study. Uh, there's men's and women's groups. There's things involved with kids, with our kids' ministry, youth. I mean, there's so many different ways. There's there's ways to do outreach and evangelism mm-hmm. together. I mean, there's ways to serve the community together side by side. So all those layers are what makes up the church community. It's really beautiful. Well, thanks, Mark, for the interview today. It was so fun. You are listening to the Roots and Branches podcast here at New Life Evangelical Free Church in Hastings, Minnesota. I'm Pastor Brent Complin. Thanks for joining us. We will touch on another one of our transformational outcomes in the upcoming episodes. Thanks for listening.